0: Hey, Candice this is Ryan from the show, and we want to kick off this episode with an awesome offer from our guest, Alan Gandelman, owner of Head & Heal. Head & Heal is one of the few companies that grows their entire product line right in their own backyard, so they know exactly the high-quality products that you'll be receiving. Tinctures, soft gels, balms, lotions, hemp flour, you name it, Head & Heal provides it. My favorite product so far, however, would have to be the CBG Focus Tincture that's definitely kept my days productive and work days humming. At night, I use the 1-to-1 CBN and CBD formula that puts me down nicely and has me feeling refreshed and ready to go the next day. The best part for you, however, is if you're looking for high-quality cannabinoids at a discounted rate, wait no further. When at the Head & Heels checkout page, type in ccpodcast20 for your discount code and receive 20% off your entire order. That's right. Just type in CC Podcast 20 and you'll receive your shipment right to your door at a discounted rate. So that's it. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode once again. As always, keep enjoying the show, stay tuned, and we will see you guys back here soon. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining us on another awesome episode of the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast with yours truly, Ryan Chavez, and my man who also has a plan. Often, Jack Stone is not going to be with us today, unfortunately. However, we are going to be coming at you with a very, very special guest and cannabis expert and enthusiast as well, Alan Gandelman. And before I I let Alan take the mic here, I just want to do a very, very brief introduction on our guests. Um, very, very important. Alan is a former teacher, and he's been an organic farmer since 2011 and broke into the hemp industry in 2017, so very interesting background. After he, he What he did is he experienced the benefits of CBD firsthand, um, securing one of the first industrial hemp licenses in the state. Alan went on after that to co-found the New York Hemp Oil, a CBD processing company, and Head & Heel, one of the first CBD brands to grow, process, and bottle their own products entirely in New York State uh alan's 200 acre organic farm main street farms is also a well-known vegetable farm that supplies produce to elementary schools colleges restaurants and the homes of families all over new york state so with that said i never give uh, enough justice to the background here so i definitely want to give a nice warm welcome to alan thank you for coming on the cannabis kind of Sierra, and i would love to to get your background and uh thanks for joining the show appreciate it
1: <laughs> yeah thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure to be here
0: Absolutely. And you're not too far. You're, we just talked about this. You're, uh, you're just, uh, what a few hour drive away here down in nice, uh, Cortland, New York, beautiful Cortland, New York. Love the that's correct.
1: That's right. Yes, it's I, gorgeous.
0: That's right. I do a lot of, uh, I, I do a lot of grape picking in that area in about a month or two. <laughs> it's uh, right down in, uh, in the, the lakes there. It's beautiful. But, um, anyways, Alan, thank you for coming on. I, a ton of, a ton of questions we have for you today, but I would love just to, you know, off the bat here, um, I kind of mentioned this a second ago, your journey with cannabis uh, has taken off, in my opinion, pretty rapidly, Um, you know, just looking at your timeline there. And so I think when that happens, there's usually a pretty significant reason for that. Um, That that certainly was for me. That was the case for me. I had a lot of health issues and and cannabis really uh, kind of helped with that quite a bit. And I dove in. So I'd love to hear your background and uh, what brought you to where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like, like you mentioned, um, I got more, I got, I'll say I got back into cannabis, uh, around 2016, 2017, when I had Lyme disease and I was really sick and running this farm and, um, needed something to relieve the pain, uh, and all the symptoms that are associated with Lyme, which for me were like arthritis and insomnia and just general, uh, brain fog. Um, however, I have been a very active cannabis user since I was, um, a teenager. And Mm. in, when I was 18 years old, uh, more than 20 years ago, I was the vice president of my regional normal chapter. And so normal is the national organization for reforming marijuana laws. So I actually have been very in tune with cannabis and paying attention to cannabis advocacy for uh, more than half my life at this point. Um, it's just that, you know, career went and I became a teacher, like you said, and, you know, I fell out of the cannabis advocacy and usage. uh, And then I fell right back into it. Um, And so here we are.
0: (laughs) And i am just so I mean, was there any conflict of interest? I mean, you were a teacher. And you were also (laughs) I mean, you had the background in cannabis. I mean, I think nowadays, there's no conflict of interest. But I mean, I would imagine, you know, 20 years ago, that's a bigger deal, right?
1: Well, I was a teacher when I was in my mid 20s. So I was not involved in cannabis activism. Then I mean, I've always thought about it. But I was involved in uh gardening and having animals and fruit trees and uh always involved in healthy eating and um you know keeping keeping my you know life as clean as possible that a you know 20 something year old can do um but it wasn't until i got really sick with Lyme disease that i got into cannabis like full on full time and i i quit i had quit teaching I started farming in 2011 and I started Main Street Farms, which is now the 200 acre organic vegetable farm. And, you know, we provide vegetables to big restaurant chains in New York City, um, as, as well as uh, school districts and local farmers markets. Um, but, you know, while I was farming, you know, I could do cannabis as much as I wanted because you're not a teacher and, you know, no one really cares. Although I will say they do not drug test teachers. Uh, here and where I was teaching, so really? oh, luckily uh, that was also a that's good thing. shocking.
0: <laughs> that's actually re- very much shocks me. I, I would not expect that at all that they wouldn't drug test teachers. Wow.
1: No, wow. not unless I think there was a major problem. But no, there was, there are plenty of teachers who are cannabis users who definitely <laughs> did not get drug tested. Oh, uh, that
0: that is uh, well, that's news to me. I mean, for <laughs> sure, I definitely would not have expected that. Um, but I would imagine also as a teacher, like cannabis is probably really helpful in a lot of different scenarios, right? Dealing with the kids that you got to be dealing with, I'm sure. Um, oh, absolutely. And and you're, so you, um you started using cannabis when you were younger. Now you had the Lyme disease also when you were younger and,
1: or. I had Lyme disease when I was, so this would have been 2016. So only five years ago. So only in my mid thirties really that oh. um, I have Lyme disease. Yeah. And
0: uh, and so you were using THC mainly when you were younger? And then did you kind of do a lot of research and you're like, hey, I got to check out this CBD. It seems to be helpful also, maybe for this.
1: When I got Lyme disease, I started, you know, one of the first things that I did was go to THC, actually, because I knew the health benefits. And at that time, I was actually making, well, what was known was uh, as Rick Simpson oil, RSO oil or FSO, you know, full spectrum oil, whatever, you know, people call it different things. But I was making it tr- like people do in a rice cooker in my kitchen with, you know, flour that my friends were giving me because, you know, they were growing here in New York. And so I was just making my own Rick Simpson oil and taking, you know, high doses of THC um, every day. The issue was, you know, running a A 200 acre farm and having a lot of employees, I couldn't, you know, I was taking several hundred milligrams a day between 100 and 300 milligrams of THC a day for my Lyme symptoms. And it was working amazing for the pain, of course. However, I couldn't actually work at that level. And so A friend of mine, uh, I was also a medical marijuana patient, but I never used the dispensaries here in New York because they're terrible and don't sell flour. But that's a whole nother issue. But a friend of mine was working in the industry in Colorado. And I just mentioned him like, yeah, I'm taking like, you know, 100, 200 milligrams of THC a day and I'm too high. I can't keep doing this because I'm just like so high all the time and I can't work. And so he had sent me some CBD oil and, and was like, it's the same thing minus the THC. So I started taking CBD oil heavily every day, backed off the the Rick Simpson oil and I felt great, you know, two months in and I was feeling really good. I wasn't high all the time. I could work and I was, you know, relatively pain-free, not perfect, but like 90% reduction in symptoms. And, uh, you know, that's how I got into CBD oil originally, um, coincidence or fate that year, New York state legalized industrial hemp for farmers to grow. And uh, we have one of the first license. I So I was like, we got to do this, right? We have a farm. I know cannabis. Uh, mm-hmm. I can make Rick Simpson oil in my kitchen, of course. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, uh, we have one of the first licenses to both grow and uh, extract and, and process uh, CBD oil from hemp in New York State.
0: Wow. Um, I wanted to ask, because that, that is a super interesting story about, uh, you know, essentially your your entire background there. So you, you talked about... Um, you know, using THC up to 300 milligrams a day for pain, which I mean, is crazy. Uh, I, I wonder what ha- I mean, your tolerance must have been crushed after that, I would think, right? I mean,
1: yeah. I was just really, 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 really high, like uncomfortably high, had a hard time sleeping. And the thing is that for people who are using Rick Simpson's or Rick Simpson oil that you're making yourself, it's just really hard to dose. Um, you know, and people, you know, the general theory back then was take a rice size, you know, grain of rice size, uh, amount, but that's like, you know, that's a lot nowadays, you know, I have a full lab extraction lab testing equipment. Uh, we can make oil and, and do, you know, know exactly what we're putting in our products. But, you know, back then it wasn't like I could like send a sample to a lab and say how much THC is in here. And, uh, so, yeah.
0: Things have changed. Uh, things have changed a lot since then, right? Um, I actually had a similar story where, you know, my, I started with medical cannabis due to a lot of pain that I was having, like digestive pain, and stomach pains. And, um, you know, I, I gravitated to the medical program eventually because uh, I just couldn't keep going to work high. Right. <laughs> like, just like, I mean, I was just, I, I had to present every single day and, um, it, it was just, you know, and I needed, it was helping the pain exactly. It sounds like what was, you were going through, but then like you just weren't functional and it just wasn't really the way I wanted to live. Right. I didn't want to walk through every day like that. So, um, so the, is the pain I was curious from the Lyme disease, it's from inflammation. Is that like a lot of why that happens?
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, a lot of the pro- underlying problems with Lyme come from inflammation. That's where like the arthritis, the pain, and all those other issues happen totally. So that's where we know, you know, the cannabinoids, THC, CBD are really good at reducing that inflammation.
0: Yeah. And uh, and so you mainly just, I mean, for the most part, switched to entirely high CBD at that point
1: to, yeah. I did. I switched to uh, full spectrum oil And all CBD, so I wasn't high all the time. And I mean, I'm still using THC here and there, um, kind of as needed. But uh, just switching to that full spectrum CBD oil and also still taking high doses of CBD. I mean, I'm still, I was still at at least 100 milligrams a day of CBD. And when you look at a full spectrum tincture, 100 milligrams of CBD, you're usually ending with around five milligrams of THC in there anyway, between five to seven. Um, so it's small amounts, but that gets more into like that micro dosing, you know, realm of, of the THC side. Yeah.
0: And I guess you don't think about it like that if it's full spectrum, I mean, you just be crushing like a ton of, you know, drops, but really you're getting like THC in that as well. So like you said, I mean, you may end up with five, 10 milligrams of THC in your system at the end of the day, but I guess yeah, like yeah. CB1 receptors as much, right? Just given the fact that, you know, it's CBD is going to be kind of plugging those up. I would imagine. Yeah, no, that's so it's it's interesting, I think. So you did that. And then, I mean, it sounds like after it was really I mean, I, it, you know, you have the interest and the enthusiasm with cannabis, but it wasn't until you realize, whoa, like cannabis, I can use it and be functional at the same time by doing it this way is when you kind of went all in on everything else, it seems right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as soon as like, I felt the effects, you know, the positive effects, and I already had a farm and greenhouses and the whole thing. Uh, and you know, industrial hemp became legal to for us to grow. I was just like 100% all in. And because of my experience with the full spectrum oil and not like CBD isolate, that completely framed how I created New York Hemp Oil, our extraction facility, and Head and heel, our retail brand. Because I only wanted to sell products that were full spectrum and certified organic because we we have been a certified organic farm for the last 10 years through the USDA and so that experience completely guided how the rest of my business and life would kind of go for the next several years up until today.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and so I wanted to ask really, you know, about your farm. I mean, you you have a huge farm, 220 acres, right? And everything's located like right on site. You guys, you do everything right on site, correct?
1: Yeah, we do all of, uh, we do all of the growing and drying on site, but our extraction lab is a mile down the, road from us yeah, yeah. Which, which could still be on the property if it's at feet.
0: <laughs> who knows right <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: i wish it was but it's just it's, it's right down the street actually yeah. our extraction facility is on main street in Cortland. um it's like yeah two minute drive
0: oh okay yeah uh, yeah awesome i'll have to drive by it sometime next time i'm down there check it out yeah, so I know you mentioned you're organic. Is there anything else like w- about your farm that kind of differentiates like what you guys do from like other growers, like whether here or anywhere else?
1: Yeah, I mean, not only are we organic, but we're also regenerative, and so we're growing vegetables uh, on a pretty large scale, uh, certified organic vegetables, all the kinds of vegetables. You know, we do large rotations with cover crop to build our soil back up. We have grazing animals, so we're really like full on ecosystem. You know, cannabis is just a small part of the farm natural ecosystem. And so that's, I feel a huge benefit to our products and the hemp we grow, our CBD, our future THC that we grow is because like of the way we treat the soil and we do the rotations um, and just our philosophies on farming versus what you normally see, which is just like this is a THC farm, or this is a CBD farm, and that's it, and they're growing in big pots, you know, feeding, you know, nutrients, and for us, we're actually growing the soil, feeding the soil, and growing our plants in the soil, so it's just a little bit of a different model than what's traditionally been done in the hemp and, and THC space. Yeah, and hemp is,
0: my understanding, is a bioaccumulator, right, so, so it's important to to make sure that that soil is clean, right? Cause, and that I'm sure is one of the biggest differentiators is a lot of people may not take the time to do that.
1: I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's a lot of contaminated hemp out there. We've, I've been to farms in all of California, for example, where the neighbors who have vineyards are spraying pesticides or the fruit tree orchards are spraying pesticides and herbicides and there's drift and they're having major problems in their cannabis with that. Um, luckily for us here, we do not have that problem. And, you know, we've been farming this land for so long, you know, we know what we've been putting on it. So um, we're not worried about those uh, contaminants.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, like, since, yeah, like you said, since you've had it in your, your possession, the land for so long, it's like, you know, exactly how the land has been treated. And so there isn't really much guessing in that respect. And that's rare, because I think so many people are jumping into the cannabis world, like recently, that it's hard mm-hmm. to really set that up that way, if you're just jumping
1: in. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And people don't think about or talk about that. And a lot of people are trying to jump into cannabis nowadays, whether it's CBD or THC as you know, more and more states uh, legalized, but they don't have a deep knowledge of farming, they don't have a deep knowledge of pests and diseases and, and uh, those kinds of things. And I feel like, yeah, we're really lucky. I mean, my farm crew has been combined, you know, we have hundreds of years probably at this point of organic farming experience collectively so it's a little different than than getting in from scratch
0: and that like i said i think especially nowadays with you know new york opening up the legalization and t te- i mean there just have to be so many people just kind of jumping in and and i that's going to be an issue is you know making sure that we can kind of you know figure out who's going to be growing the right stuff the good stuff and and who's not taking the time to do that right and so i hope they and you probably know about that right just give it like what you know, you're part of the association, the New York Growers Association, right? So, are are you like? W- there's there's got to be a ton happening in this space right now, for- <laughs> like regulations, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, there's a ton happening. Um, I am part of the association, so I'm actually the founder and the president of the New York <laughs> Cannabis Growers uh, Processes Association, and the need for that came out a few years ago because of the CBD space. There was so much stuff, wild west nonsense happening. And New York didn't know how to regulate. There was no laws around it. And I formed the association with some fellow uh, hemp growers and farmers that I trust and I've known for a while so we could advise the state on these policies and make sure that there was some labeling standards. We had standards about full panel testing per lot and batch and, you know, making sure the products were safe because as a medical consumer myself you know, I wanted the highest quality, the highest standard, and anyone else should have that as well. And so sometimes you don't get that in that gas station CBD uh, situation. And so that's how our association was formed. And now we're very active in not only the CBD side, but also the adult use THC side, making sure that, growers mid-sized growers get licensed to do thc and really advocating for a craft industry here in new york and trying to you know build that up and do it well do it safely and you know not let the mega corporations come in and dominate the whole uh the whole state immediately
0: yeah so when you're when you're coming up with like the regulations you guys are all doing that together do you do you then i'm just curious how this works because i i don't know i've never been part of it do you present that to like the government at that point and then they like they they take like you guys start the association you say we are the new york Rover association and this is what we've come up with and, and it must bring a lot of clout when you're bringing this to the department of health i'm imagining right
1: yeah, I mean, the Department of Health, Department of Agriculture, and now the future uh, Office of Cannabis Management. So we approach this in two ways. Sometimes we actually have to work with legislators to write new laws. So we've written laws. Most recently, we wrote the hemp flour law because New York banned the sale of hemp flour, And so to get around that, we wrote a law that allows the sale of hemp flour and got that passed in New York. Um, the other thing that we do is we come out with, uh, we call them white papers or policy position papers. So our most recent policy position paper set was, is more about um, licensing. How are we going to license social equity growers? How are we going to license existing farmers for THC, craft growers? How many do we need? And how do we split the market up to make sure that the most of the market is these craft growers, small size farms, there's always gonna be the few multi-state operators, but how do we split this licensing up to make it fair and equitable across the entire state? So we wrote a policy position paper and we send it into the uh, appropriate department and then they say, okay, and they call us and we, ha- we meet all the time, sometimes weekly, when the regulations are being written. L- you know, We have our own lawyer, we have our own lobbyist and we, we will literally comb through every word and say, no, this-, this or needs to be changed to an and, and here's why. <laughs> And and that's what we do. Like, we get into the micro details because that one word can affect the small farmer's livelihood.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's like it's a it's a big level of commitment what you're doing i mean it's it's like a it's a different level right you have like the enthusiasts and then and then you know you're you're taking time out of your day to go out and and you know push this and so it's a lot of work and so you know, definitely commend you for that now and it's uh i a few people I know have done that but I mean you're really heading that up in New York State so I really appreciate that and especially yeah being a New thank you president I definitely appreciate that <laughs>
1: Thank you. I I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And it is that's all volunteer basis. Our board is completely volunteer, and our all of our funding comes from our members. So people who join, and there's a sliding scale. So if you can only afford like fifty bucks to become a member, you you pay fifty bucks. And if you can afford a thousand or five thousand, then you pay a thousand or five thousand. And then you know we use that money for work, you know, lobbying and all sorts of things like that. And we're we're registered. Uh, non-profit so like that's just you know this is just kind of our mission and that's what we do
0: yeah yeah and and like it, it takes a lot of coordination and a lot of work so uh and, and somebody has to do it <laughs> so
1: it's, and, you know, like, yeah. yeah that's the crazy part is that when we first started nobody was doing it and I was like why am I the one doing this work this is weird because <laughs> no one else is doing it and I have experience with cannabis advocacy and some food policy advocacy experience but like now we we are the biggest cannabis associate, industry association in the state of New York somehow and uh, growing. So it's like no one was doing it. We stepped up a small group of us, you know, four or five people, and it's yeah. just you know blossomed into this beautiful thing over the last few years.
0: And you have a ton of people involved in that. If you go to the website there, I mean, you just oh, see God. all the people that are involved i mean there's a ton of names that you recognize and uh you know a lot of big players on there too that you've you've been able to get in there so that's yeah like i say kudos to you and it's a lot of work i I can't even imagine i only can imagine i'd say (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you yeah absolutely um now i i want to jump real quick we're talking about the farm um So, you know, you're part of the, you started the association we just talked about, and you also, you know, you have your history with advocacy in the beginning. Um, You also help other entrepreneurs uh, start their own brands, right? And their own, their own, which is really cool. So if anybody, and we've talked about this on the show, if anybody out there is looking to do something, you know, where you're looking to like start your own brand, I've checked out what you do and it looks pretty attainable to like, just get started. If you can go into that a bit.
1: Yeah, so we do what's called uh, private label or white labeling. And mm-hmm. basically, companies will come to us or, or solo entrepreneurs, you know, either one. We work with small individuals or, you know, bigger businesses. Uh, they'll come to us and say, look, I want to launch my own CBD line. I have some experience marketing or I own, you know, a few health food stores or some, um, you know, I, I, I'm a chiropractor and I want my own CBD line. So we say, sure. And we just, give them all the options and a lot of times, you know, we can private or white label our existing head and heel products and put their stickers on them and -hmm. they'll set up a website and we'll even do their fulfillment for them. So they don't have to worry about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Other times we want very custom products and we will make those for them too. And so we really, you know, some of our best longest standing customers are uh, other farmers who are selling at the farmer's market somewhere in New York or another state. And they come to us and say, listen, I'm already at the farmer's market every week, like three days a week. I just want to add another product that's non-perishable because I sell vegetables and so I can sell off season. So we're like, sure, here's, you know, we have really small minimums to help those people out. And we'll send them some cases of product with their branding and their business name and all. They do their own design of the labels if they want. And, uh. Some of our best customers are people like that who literally started out selling one or two bottles at the farmer's market and have slowly grown their business that way. And now we like supplement their income for them and their families. It's, it's been amazing. And that's really, um, how we got started at head and heel. We were going to farmer's markets. I was making, we have a commercial kitchen for the vegetables and we were making our own CBD oil. We were doing the bottling and bringing like, 10 bottles at a time to the market and then all of a sudden we just started selling out like constantly and we're like holy crap people are really into cbd oil and this was i think 2018 when no one really knew what it was yet and um within i don't know months our sales on our cbd oil were like way past the sales on the vegetables even though we've been going to the same farmer's market for like eight years or something like that people (laughs) were just like just flocking to, to our CBD oil. And so that's how we got started at the farmer's market. And so I love helping other small farmers and businesses to get started too. And that's yep. how New York hemp oil kind of came into existence to help those people uh, get up and running. And that's also why I'm so passionate about the craft cannabis industry and as many small farms as possible, um, keeping it, you know, keeping it craft, keeping it quality and creating a thousand, you know, million dollar companies around New York state in cannabis rather than, you know, $10 billion companies or whatever. So, you know, that's really been the mission uh, in everything that I do and everything we do all along for all these years.
0: Yeah. And and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, people may ponder, like, what what is the benefit one way or the other? The way I see it is if, you, if you're able to get somebody, if you sell CBD oil to somebody like at the farmer's market and they just love it and they start coming back and they want to do more and then they're like, hey, I want to do my own thing. They're going to start, you know, they're going to start affecting and, and impacting like their own group of people that, that we don't, you know, that you wouldn't even know. And that, so I think the benefit really of, of that model more or less is just spreading cannabis awareness. Right. And, and that really is what it is. Cause if you have this big conglomerate, you'll always have these people that feel like they, they aren't there. They're not, they're not able to really, you know, get close and understand what it's all about. It's not personal. Right. So I, I think it's a big deal in that respect.
1: Yeah, Totally and like it it's all word of mouth all of the cbd sales we do is word of mouth because um your listeners might or might not know this, but we can't advertise we can't go on facebook and put up ads for cbd oil they don't allow it you know we can't we can't buy ads on google not allowed so our marketing um potential is all word of mouth it's very limited and so that's how we've grown the business over the years
0: yeah it's it's uh it's amazing what you, what you realize you can't do. Um, I mean, we, we can't like, I, I have a little, you know, LLC for this thing and I can't even like, it's hard to get a bank, right? <laughs> like, it's just, I mean, the banking system, you know, is, isn't there yet. And so it's just like, Yeah, it's, um, I definitely understand, you know, that aspect of it. But it it seems for sure that just, you know, localizing this and and doing the word of mouth is is not, you know, it's harder, but it just seems like way more impactful for actually getting the word out about cannabis the appropriate way that we want to.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah, a lot of times people call us and uh, what's this, the term I've been hearing lately, like what they don't want is they don't want Walmart weed what they don't want walmart what does that mean what is that it means they don't want to feel like they're buying their weed from a big box store oh
0: i see they don't want
1: walmart weed yeah (laughs) like okay got it no big box big box store weed noted yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. i mean i yeah i i i I find that when it's craft it's anything craft i mean i don't drink budweiser when i drink beer you know i i just don't i haven't in a while and for those that do out there that's 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 you know teach your own but i love the craft taste. you know it's just the the time they put into it the different nuances they put into it the different things you can experience with craft you know it's just it makes huge difference i think um And and so, I mean, there's a ton of pros for setting up this, this program. I was going to ask if there's any cons that you see for having, which, I mean, I don't know if there really are. I mean, do you, for
1: setting up a program that you've experienced or? I mean, the cons of setting up the cannabis program, there's always going to be cons because not everyone all the time is going to be successful. And we've seen that in hemp and we've seen it in CBD and it's just the general business situation where not every business that gets started makes it. I think like 50% 50% probably fail in general in business. And we, you know, we've seen a lot of CBD companies go out of business over the last year and a half with the pandemic and retail stores, you know, closing down. And so it's going to be the same for the THC side in New York. People are going to start companies and they're, they're not going to go and they might fail. And so that is a risk people need to, to know about. Um, and they also might never get a license. They might not have the right Uh, skills to do in a license application they might not be asking the right people for help and so that's also a downside to um, a cannabis program where you need license and you need compliance testing and there's a lot of bureaucracy involved in the entire supply chain of cannabis and so you know you have to be prepared for that and that is also a downside of legalization because we have people here in new york who are part of the legacy market amazing growers super genetics and when they go to the legal market, it's going to be a little bit of a rude awakening and a learning curve because now you're talking about track and trace systems and taxes and licenses. And I really hope that stuff doesn't dissuade those legacy growers from getting into the legal side uh, in New York.
0: That's interesting. I, I didn't think about that part of it, but yeah, the bureaucracy and the red tape around all this stuff is just—I uh, mean, obviously, it's 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 not for the faint of heart <laughs> if you're going into right. Be-
1: Right. Even the banking, like you just mentioned, you can't get a bank account for a podcast. I mean, can you imagine a legacy grower who's used to living their life in cash or crypto, all of a sudden trying to go legal and get a bank account and put someone on payroll? And you know, it's it's a big it's a big step, but I'm hoping a lot of people can take it.
0: Yeah, I I, I think when we get to that point where you know we, I think we're we're getting there pretty closely. I mean, it's it's the most bipartisan. Um, I think topic that we have so far in the United States, the cannabis legalization. So I I I'm spreading that and getting it out, you know, I hope is is right there on the horizon. I think we're almost there. But.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we'll
0: see, yes. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And uh I, I no so you have like a trifecta of things going on. You you grow, you do the wholesale white labeling, and you also have your own retail line, head and heel. Um, yeah. so I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. I mean, you, you've literally done everything to up and down the chain. And so it's so interesting in that respect. Can you talk a little bit about why, you know, after doing those other things, why you decided to get it to head and heel and yeah, behind that? Yeah.
1: So the impetus of head and heel was because as a vegetable farmer and, um, we were growing vegetables, which is a raw agricultural commodity and we were selling it to school districts and there was a problem in the supply chain and that problem with processing because, The school districts couldn't take carrots and beets whole because they don't have the facilities to chop them up and wash them and all that stuff. So we had to send our vegetables to a processor and they had to chop up the vegetables, package them and send it to the school districts on our behalf. And it became a problem because most of these processors didn't want to work with small farmers like myself. Mm -hmm. And so what we had to do on the vegetable side was we had to build out our own commercial kitchen, get some equipment And start washing, start chopping our own vegetables, packaging them, and delivering them to the schools. So we had to take our own agricultural commodity, turn it into something, sell it, and do the do the distribution. And so when we got into uh, hemp and CBD oil, immediately I was like, "Great, no one's gonna do this for us in New York (laughs) State. There's no processors. No one knows what's going on. Who are we gonna sell this to as a raw agricultural commodity?" So we really, from the experience on vegetables. We were like, we need our own brand. We need our own direct-to-consumer sales. And that's how we created Head and & Heel. And as a vegetable farmer, remember, like we were going to farmer's markets and we have our own subscription vegetable program where we deliver you a box every week. Mm-hmm. So we already had all this experience on direct-to-consumer sales. Like, we were already doing full seed-to-sale tracking on vegetables. There's all this food safety stuff we have to do. And so we were like, all right, we have our own customers. We have thousands of customers around New York State who are buying vegetables they'll probably buy our CBD oil too. So we Mm -hmm. better put it in a bottle and package it up. And we created the Head & Heel brand um, just to differentiate a a little bit from Main Street Farms, not to confuse people, and started selling direct-to-consumer CBD oil. And so that's where Head & Heel grew out of. We were able to get it certified organic because our farm is certified organic, our facilities are certified organic. And we were able to just tap right into our existing customer network and start selling them CBD oil. We were able to go, we sell to the grocery store. So we went to our grocery stores and we said, hey, listen, we're creating a CBD line. Do you guys want to sell it? And they're like, sure, we're a local health food store that sells local vegetables for you guys. We'll sell your CBD too. And some of these CBD, uh, some of these little local health food stores around the central New York area started selling insane amounts of CBD, like paying their mortgages every month with the profits <laughs> from the CBD oil sales, like crazy amounts at first, You know, when it, there was a big boom there. And so it, it really just took off and our, our relationships and our direct-to-consumer model that we were so used to for the last decade. I mean, it just really lended itself to cannabis. And it goes back to knowing the people, the word of mouth, the craft products, high quality, good prices. Um, and, and we just we just had that built in. And so I'm so fortunate and so lucky that you know, it was like an addition to our business, not like starting from scratch because that would have been, you know, a lot harder lift.
0: Yeah. And that, I mean, that seems like it's, I mean, what you already said it, but what, what better position to be in than to be farming vegetables, right. (laughs) For years. And it's just such a natural progression. It's not like you were selling and making robots or something, you know, (laughs) you know, CBD oil. Um, and, and, and I mean, that's just such a nice progression and it, not even from like, like a growing, you know, package standpoint, but, but even just from your customers and who you're giving it to. And like, I mean, it's just, I mean, it really has allowed you to just get involved in the entire process and in a very, I wouldn't, I, I don't know, a seamless manner, I guess. I'm sure it's not completely seamless, right? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's, uh,
1: there's been, there's been some bumps along the road. I mean, we had to build a new hemp facility, we're we're a nutraceutical grade certified facility we have clean rooms and so there was a big learning curve there and a big investment in time and capital um but yeah you know there's been bumps but that's how i was able to when we started our cannabis association that's why we got so much traction because we weren't coming from oh we like to smoke weed let's start an association we don't know what the hell we're talking about it was literally like we are already used to uh food safety inspections. We're used to the Department of Agriculture. We're used to the USDA. We're used to this entire seed to sale industry already. Now let's take what we've learned and apply that to the policies and regulations around cannabis to make sure that everything that gets done in New York does not hurt farmers. Because sometimes just the regulators don't understand farming. They don't understand agricultural commodities and you know, when you get into the Department of Health and the cannabis departments, uh, they just don't get that's just not their wheelhouse. And yeah. so we were really able to take that knowledge and transfer it from our existing supply chain networks of food to to cannabis, which, you know, is working out not seamlessly, but it gives us a really good foundation and an understanding and a point of which to you know speak from
0: yeah and also in a booming industry right (laughs) it's just like it's just touching the surface so it's just uh yeah. Very fortunate in the whole thing. And, and I was gonna ask about your biggest challenge, but um you kinda mentioned I mean do you have a like I was wanted to ask about a few of those if you had, or is that maybe one of the bigger ones that you have
1: had? No, uh that's a that's a big challenge. I think the yeah. the biggest challenges we have, um, one as a brand is the the marketing, the advertising, the banking, the insurance, like all those are, are, are daily challenges. Credit card processing, we've been to so many credit card processors. Those are like the bigger challenges. It's hard to get insurance because there's yeah. very few people who are us, and so um, you know that's one of them uh, and you know the other the other challenge that I see a lot of people face nowadays is the market is getting crowded already so now there's a challenge between like differentiating your products and, and going after a good you know market for yourself
0: yeah and that that yeah it seems like when you got in you said 2018 you were doing this and, and the farm bill was at the end of 2018 I think or right yeah. around 2018 right so
1: we were doing this pre-farm bill because what New York had done is create their own pilot program. So we were able to grow hemp before the farm bill uh, ever got signed. I mean, by the time farm bill got signed, we were already halfway in deep into what we were doing.
0: Okay. No, I, I didn't know that, that New York had that. Um, I just... Yes. <laughs> All I remember is that when the farm bill came out, everything else started coming out, (laughs) like delta eight, like you know all the. I I started hearing about CBG and like CBN again. Like before that, it was just kind of CBD or THC. It seems like for the most
1: totally, yeah, it was, and the farm bill really opened that up, and a lot of people are taking a lot of liberties about now what they're calling hemp, like delta eight hemp derived delta eight. You know, I mean, no plant produces delta eight. Okay, so is it hemp derived? Kind of, but not really, you know, so there's a lot of gray areas here and people took advantage of that farm bill and started doing shady things actually. Um, Mm -hmm. But before that in New York, yeah, we had our own pilot program. Um, There was only a handful of growers. Cornell University was very involved in hemp and research. And then the farm bill came along and New York has to transition its program eventually to the USDA and um, all of those things. But that's a very slow bureaucratic process. (laughs) Process.
0: <laughs> yeah, as as we can always expect when we got the big guys up top involved for sure. <laughs> so, um, and and so you've done all these things. You've like I've said before, every part of the process you've been involved in. Do you enjoy one of those more than the
1: others? Or yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, these days, you know, I've done it all myself—from driving tractors to harvesting, hanging, drying, extraction, formulating, bottling—every uh, single sales going, I mean, I was going to farmers markets all the time every week. Um, And so I've done every piece of the process myself. Um, You know, these days, I just enjoy doing a lot of the policy work. I love doing uh, the entrepreneur work that helps other businesses get started and getting into business. And right now, most of my time is spent planning for our transition to THC. And
0: what is that looking like? The transition there—you're right? going to start making different products. I'm assuming that's what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're setting up our uh, outdoor farm so we could do an outdoor THC grow, which requires security and fencing and sourcing the right genetics and all of those kinds of things. And so, once we, you know, have that all set up, then we have to distinguish our processing facility. Like, so we'll have a CBD side, we'll have a THC side. We're developing some new products, some gummies, and um, all the all of that that whole side of the business. So. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, getting getting ready for the next year and the madness that's going to ensue once New York opens the floodgates of the dispensaries.
0: Yeah, and I was going to just, like, when do you think that's happening? Because we all have this timeline here. Go
1: that... ahead. So... Average case scenario, dispensaries would be open about in a, in a year from now. We'll see the first dispensaries opening up. Our goal right now is working on like a provisional licensing system for farmers so that we can start planting THC cannabis in our fields next spring because we, you know, we only have the one growing season up here. Um, and so we got to make sure we're planted by April and May to have a good harvest come October to feed those dispensaries. So we're working on the provisional licensing for the growers. And then uh, the dispensaries will be about a year from now is, is the plan. And mm. as you know, in New York, we have a new governor. The old <laughs> governor was very slow on yeah. rolling out the program. And we're very hopeful that the new governor will do a much faster rollout of our uh, THC program. Uh, and we'll get that thing up and running. And hopefully it'll be off to the races. Awesome. Yeah, that, that
0: did take a long time. to. That was just like a slow yeah, I don't want to say train wreck because it's not a train wreck, but it felt like one because it was so painful.
1: <laughs> yeah. you. I mean, the train wasn't even moving, so it couldn't no. be a wreck. But, you know, the governor signed that law in New York in March 31st. Uh, here we are, you know, end of August, and it, there's still no movement on it. And he's gone, new governor in, so we expect some real movement on
0: it. Yeah, that's great. Well, that that's good. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that for sure, selfishly. <laughs> <laughs> So, out of head and heel products, you guys have quite a few. I've been on there. I mean, cats, dogs, sleep, energy. I mean, you got the whole thing on there. Is there like a popular one for that? the overall, and maybe one that you recommend for newbies? If anybody's, you know, listening, wants to give it a shot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the two most popular products are the twelve hundred bottle and the twenty four hundred bottle. Those are like the strongest ones we have. Um, they're most popular because it's the best value for your dollar and and we have a lot of very experienced users who are buying uh, Monthly we have a really awesome subscription program where you get discounts So when people subscribe they get discounts and then they get that 2400 bottle It's a great price last them like a month or two. Um and so that's definitely been really really good Some of our newbies they'll start off with like a 600 milligram bottle and they'll take a dropper You know once or twice a day just to build it up in their system and make sure they don't have any negative reactions Um, And so, you know, for your listeners, you know, we'll have a coupon code, they can go to our website and get a free product um, and and try it out for themselves. And so hopefully, you know, people try those tinctures. Mm -hmm. Most of what we sell are those tinctures. Um, We also make topicals and, um, you know, bath bombs and things like that. But a lot of our business is those tinctures, the high strength ones, because people are taking them like you like me for medical reasons. And when you're taking them for like serious medical reasons, you need high doses every day and to just, uh, you know, keep that going in your system.
0: And just, I, I know you mentioned this before, just the dosage roughly, you said 100 to 300 for THC. Would that be higher yep. for CBD typically?
1: No, no CBD is, lo- I mean, we have people using our CBD products doing 20, 20 to 60 milligrams a day. Ah, yeah. um, we have other people who, you know, everyone has different. Um, receptors, different tolerance levels. So, you know, we have other people who are at 100 milligrams a day, but 100 is the, I I would say, the upper, usually, of a, the average, probably 50, 60 milligrams a day that we see.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, that's, uh that works. And and so, I was looking at, yeah, I was looking on the website, and you guys, it seems that like you just have a ton of options on there. Like I said, you have the tinctures, but you also have the bath bombs, you have the cats and dogs, your furry friends at home, right? The, and and yeah. I actually, my, my dog... Has responded very well to CBD oil, um, so that's definitely something. If you got a dog that will occasionally put a hole through the wall if you leave the house for a few minutes, <laughs> <laughs>
1: try some CBD oil for the anxiety. If you have, yeah, that that's a, that's a great point. I mean, we sell a lot of the pet treats and a lot of the dog products, and we have such good people send us amazing reviews and pictures of their dogs playing, dogs that like had a hard time walking and. It does wonders for your animals. And I know because I had a dog that was taking CBD oil. Now I have another dog that is very anxious around fireworks and thunderstorms. And when we know like 4th of July is coming around, like we dose her good with CBD and she's just like out cold. She's chilling on the floor. Fireworks don't faze her. That's right. But
0: well, we have to do the same with mine. We, we, I mean, she, she'll run right out of the room and she'll just if she gets out of the house, she just won't stop. She won't even know where she's going. She'll just keep going. And so we got to we got to like keep her down. And yeah, she's scared to death of those things. But yeah, I mean, you guys have a ton of stuff on there. And so um, for our listeners, uh, just do you mind just um, as we're rounding this out, just giving them a background of where they can find you all the different places?
1: Yeah. So if they go online to headandheal.com, you know, that's the best place. And of course, we have the Instagram head and heel and Facebook. Um, We have a pretty active social media. I will say that for people who have a lot of questions, we have a Facebook group, we have a head and heel Facebook group that we have um, multiple people, my co founder, we're on there answering questions all the time, people will come on and, and ask questions about dosage or ask different questions about you know, how it makes them feel or or recommendations. Um, And so that's a very active group, which we love. And we also do a lot of Facebook lives uh, at least once a month where we cover different topics around CBD, educational topics like CBD and Lyme disease and CBD and anxiety. And we try to give people a lot of resources that are not just CBD based, but, you know, like, you know, it's, there's no one size fits all here, whether it's for anxiety or insomnia or inflammation. CBD is just like part of health and wellness. It's like part of the, the general picture of taking yeah. care of yourself. And so we try to be very clear with that. It's not like a snake oil. There's not, it's not just a pill, you know, oh. it's a whole thing. And it's a whole thing you have to wrap your mind around to, to really be healthy and include plant medicine in your routine.
0: Yeah. And, and that. I mean, I, I love hearing that because has that probably been for me, Uh, listeners, if it's your first time, I've lost 50, 60 pounds, come off five, six different medications, and cannabis has definitely... uh, I mean, this is why I do this, right? (laughs) Because because that was just so impactful for me. Um, And it's become a part of my routine. And I think that's the biggest part that people are scared about a lot of the times, thinking, oh, cannabis routine isn't not just like a Friday, Saturday thing. It's like, no. Like, do it first thing before you got a huge meeting coming up, right? (laughs) Like, you're really nervous. Like, you'll be better in that meeting, you know? You'll think clear. It's just like... Yeah, so it's it's that routine thing I think is huge, and that just comes with just bringing you know a very approachable um, product and and approach really to to your methods, right? And and that is really what you guys are doing. So um, yeah, so so Alan, uh, definitely listen. I, those are all the questions I have, but you guys, I just want to say. Um, you know, for all of our listeners out there, we're very lucky. Uh, Alan has touched every single part of the process yeah, with yeah. cannabis at this point, um, whether it's your health, whether it's business, whether it's uh, just like, I mean, you do so many good things, you know, helping people start their business, you're sending <laughs> vegetables to schools. I mean, it's just like everything you're doing is, is just all good stuff. And you're legalizing cannabis in New York, which is huge for me. So that's I thank you for that helping with that process, I should say. But uh, listen, Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an honor uh, to talk to you and, and have you on. Um, and we would love to you know chat and stay in touch and have you back on again
1: yeah thank you so much for having me and you're not far from me so come and visit the farm during harvest season you got another month or two make it down here if you're driving through I'll give you a tour through the fields and you could hug and rub yourself up all over the plants and get nice and sticky
0: (laughs) I that is the best invitation I think I've ever had I appreciate that (laughs) Uh, well, I am definitely going to take you up on that offer. We'll take a road trip down there at some point. So thank you so much. And uh, and, and again, I can't thank you enough for being on here. And um, for those listeners, I you know this has been a great episode. I hope you guys have all enjoyed it as well. Uh, the Cannabis Connoisseur, you can find us on the Cannabis C and Instagram or Twitter. Uh, the Facebook as well, Cannabis C. Um, You can just go to thecannabissee.com and you can email us at thecannabissee at gmail.com. So again, this is The Cannabis Connoisseur with uh, Alan Gandelman. We want to thank you very much for coming on the show again and all of you for joining and tuning in. We will see you all here again next week on another awesome episode of The Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. See you soon.
1: Thank you. Bye, guys. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go
0: to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
1: Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts. And who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.